Daniel chapter 3. That last song was kind of for me because it gets me fired up hearing my boys sing. And uh, I have no greater desire as a parent than to see my, my children serve God. And at a young age, they desire to do this. They love this. They're a little nervous tonight. And the teens were a little nervous too. They did a great job. And thank you just for being such great hosts. And I'll be honest, part of um, my, my desire to be in youth ministry and staying in youth ministry um, this long has been because I, I, I enjoy it and the teens encourage me. I know that I'm the youth pastor and I'm supposed to be the one that, that is the, the leader and giving them what they need. And yes, that is, that is our responsibility. But I can't tell you how often I leave encouraged, how often I leave convicted, how often I know that it's, it's my life that, that, that God is working on, that doing the convicting. It's, it's so easy for a young person to get up here and sing, but there are some adults, some, some people, and I'm in my 30s now, so I could talk like I'm a little bit older. I'm not, you know, young like them yet. They call me old because I'm in my 30s, but it's a little bit more difficult the older I get to get out of your comfort zone and to leave your pew and to get up in front of a group of people. And so I'm encouraged by that. Some of these teens, as some of them said in their testimonies, I encourage them to give testimonies tonight. Many of them didn't have a choice. I didn't force them to do it, but I put their name on the paper and said, here you go. (laughs) And I'm thankful for the people in my life that encouraged me to do right. I'm thankful for the people that pushed me in the right direction. I didn't always want to. I'm not there to do what they want. If, If it were what we wanted, we probably wouldn't have come tonight because this is out of our comfort zone. But thank you for allowing us to be here. And we hope to be an encouragement, a blessing to you. We've been encouraged and we've been blessed just by being here. But I'm encouraged because young people... Their hearts are, are being molded and their hearts are so tender to the things of God. And it doesn't take much to get a young person to make a major decision. And I notice in my life, the longer I serve and the longer I'm saved, that sometimes I'm a little bit more calloused. Sometimes it's, it takes a little bit more. The young people, are, they'll, they'll be in tears and it, it takes a while. They tease me that I don't have tear ducts and my tear ducts don't work, you know, that I can't cry. And um, I've become a little more emotional, I think, maybe since I've had kids, but um, it, it's such a, an encouragement to be around them, and they encourage me, and I'm so proud of each of them. And we've been able to stay long enough that when I came here 11 years ago, many of them were in diapers. They weren't even in, you know, in the junior church program yet. And so to see them grow up in our ministry, we have many that have gone out and are now serving God literally around the country and training in Bible colleges. And I'm so thankful for those that invest in the lives of young people. I'm thankful for Brother Caleb. Just got to know him just a short time here, but I appreciate his spirit, his heart, and I know he's doing a great job. And we just want to be an encouragement to you tonight. We're in Daniel chapter 3. The Bible says, uh, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, and it's a story that you know very well. It's a story that we probably don't need to give much background to. It's a story that if you've spent much time in church, you probably know all the details But we're going to read some of the story, and then we'll pray, and I'll give you just a few thoughts tonight, and we'll be on our way, but I pray just to be a help to you tonight. The Bible says in verse number one of Daniel chapter three, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set up in the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Before I go any further, I should probably say this anytime I preach somewhere new, that since the very first time I preached as a teenager, I've always talked fast. 
I've written in my notes, slow down. I have people every single time I'm done preaching ask me to slow down. I'm sorry. I wish I could. I, I, I haven't been able to all of these years. I just move fast, so I, I'll speak fast. What is it? I'll speak fast. You listen fast, and we'll be done fast tonight. But please just follow with me. I, I have a lot in my mind, and I think it all just kind of comes out at once. But I am trying to slow down. This is actually me speaking slowly And uh, you might be surprised at that. But we're in verse number two of Daniel chapter three. The Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And so he tells them he built this image. He tells them they need to bow down to it. You know the story. At what time you hear all the instruments, you need to bow down. Verse number 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them. And so as they they had had commanded everyone bowed down except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In verse number 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. And then he says, well, okay, let me just, maybe you didn't understand, so let's do it again. In verse number 16, they said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I'm so thankful for their stand. I'm so thankful for their conviction. They just said it, even if even it doesn't matter what happens, king, we're not going to do it. We will not bow down. Verse number 19, the king was full of fury and he commanded the furnace to be heated seven times more. And you know the story? They didn't bow down. And we find a great truth from the lives of these young people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that I think is applicable to each of us tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on the message. Father, thank you for how you've worked already. Lord, thank you for the young people and just their hearts to want to serve you. God, thank you for allowing them to be used by you tonight, Lord, in song and in testimony, sharing their hearts. God, I pray that you will bless them for that. God, I pray you will place a desire in each of their hearts to want to be used by you. Lord, and to continue after they leave the youth programs to continue to sing in church and to continue to be in choir, continue to give testimonies and to, to just give their lives to you to whatever you have for them. But Father, I pray for the rest of, for all of us tonight that you will open our hearts to the message and that you will get me out of the way. And Lord, that you'll speak to us in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We find something very straightforward from this, from this story tonight that I'd like to give you. Years ago, my wife was cooking and she made burgers for us. I'm a big fan of food in general, but especially of burgers. And I was excited about these burgers that she made. They looked amazing. And I took a bite into it and I knew right away something wasn't right. Now, it wasn't undercooked. It, you know, it wasn't that she didn't cook it right, but this was not beef. And she had snuck in ground turkey into the burgers and said, no, and I could tell something's different. This is not what I was expecting. Have you ever had that happen to you where you were expecting something and it was a little bit different? This is not what I was hoping for. This, I was hoping for something maybe a little bit different. I was hoping for something, uh, something real, something that... I have the wrong set of notes open. That's why nothing looked right. Okay, here we go. I have my Sunday school lesson. I'm like, where's all of my... Okay. Anyways... Uh, you have something that you're not expecting. Something that's different. That's happened often. But... My life, I've always liked to get things that are authentic, things that are real. My, my dad was big growing up that we had to have a real Christmas tree. We could not get a, an artificial Christmas tree. That was like the worst thing that you could do. And it was, it was never really a fun experience getting it. It was always, you know, a, a difficult bringing home and it never fit in the house right. It got needles everywhere, but it needed to be the real thing. 
And uh, I, someone asked my brother once, why do you get a real tree on Christmas? And he said, why do you get a real turkey on Thanksgiving? <laughs> I thought, okay, uh, but anyway, there's some food items out there, and especially now with the way things have gone, there's a lot of food items that don't really give you what their, what their label says. Like, for instance, tonight I have with us, I can't believe it's not butter. Now, I haven't necessarily tried I can't believe it's not butter, but I can guarantee you if I tried this tonight, I'd believe it. I'd believe that it's not butter. It, it, it's, you know, it, it says unbelievable taste, simple ingredients, but it gives something like this and they give you a, a packaging that looks and sounds great. I can't believe it's not butter. No, but, but the truth is that it's not butter. This is not real butter. This is something that they've given with all kinds of different things and preservatives to try to make it taste like butter, but it's really not. I prefer something to be real, something to be authentic, something to be genuine. When I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't know if there's a greater story in the Bible of three young men that were real. What they had is something that every single Christian, every person here tonight at Harvest Baptist Church needs, what I need, what my wife needs, what my children needs. Every single one of us, we need a faith that is real. We'll talk about that for a few minutes tonight, real faith. Real faith. What society is looking for are Christians that are real. What your unsafe coworkers and classmates and neighbors need is a Christian in their life that is a real, authentic, genuine Christian. Not someone who's a Christian on Sunday and different on Monday and Tuesday and throughout the week. And maybe they put on a different face on Wednesday for midweek service, but they're different. The, the, the world needs someone that is real, someone that's genuine, someone that's authentic. Years ago, we had a, a young teen girl over to our house for Sunday afternoon lunch. My wife cooked lunch, and we ate lunch together. We had the children sit down, and we prayed. And after we finished praying, we started eating, and she just looked at us. She, didn't, she couldn't eat. And I said, is everything okay? And she was just kind of taken back. I said, well, why can't you eat? She said, I've never done this before. I said, oh, oh, you've never had this meal before? Yeah, you know, I don't even remember what my wife cooked, but... She said, no, I've, I've never sat down with my family and eaten a meal at the table like this before. And it's moments like that that I realized something that I'm so, I, I beat myself up a lot about what I do, you know, what I think I'm doing right, what I think I'm not doing right. But what my young people need to see from me as a, as a youth pastor is that this is real and that I'm genuine and I'm not just putting on a show. I'm not just here to, to smile when it's time to get behind the pulpit, but living a different life. And they need to see that. They need those examples. And so sometimes it's not necessarily what I say or what I didn't say, but I've talked to teens over the years, and um, one of the, the, the teens that came out of our bus ministry is now a, a youth pastor in Indiana. He said that years ago, he would look in youth group, and he saw what I had, and he wanted that. And I thought, through all those years, Caleb knows what I'm talking about, I thought that he hated me all those years, because that's kind of how he, he treated me, but I didn't realize that that example that I was setting was creating something that he desired. He wanted something that's real. You see, we look all throughout and we see things that are fake. Oh, I'm sure that Hollywood can put on a smile and they can, they can, life looks great with the rich and famous and all the luxuries and the cars they drive and the food they eat. I talk about food a lot, I'm sorry, pretty much anytime I need an illustration, something food related sneaks in. But you know, the, the houses they have, everything's food related, or sorry, food related. <laughs> in my mind, everything's food related. But everything that they have, it's, it's, it's all about money, it's all about what they have, and it seems so great, but it's all fake. Right. They don't show you the broken lives. 
They don't show you how their lives are in ruin and their marriages are in ruin. And, and I mean, it's horrible. It's awful what they go through. But no, they're built up on this pedestal. And people see that and say, I want that. But what they're searching for and what many people, maybe even a young person in here tonight, will spend their whole life striving for something that isn't butter. I mean, that isn't real. <laughs> Your whole life for something that, that's not authentic, that's not genuine. Well, if I can just get whatever car that is someday, I'll be happy. If I can just have this kind of house, if I can just have this job or make this much money a year, that will be the answer. That, then, then, then I will be happy and then I'll go to church and then I'll do all those things. And you see people are chasing things that are not authentic, that are not real. And we see in these three people, these great examples that God's given us, that they had a real faith. Their faith was very authentic. It was very genuine. And they're a great example for us. Three things quickly that real faith does. Number one, real faith stands out. Real faith stands out. Turn with me quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, please keep your finger there, and Daniel will come right back, but I want to show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse number 14. Real faith, it stands out. When given the opportunity, they stood, and they were different. People noticed right away that there was something different. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 14, the Bible says, Then God hath, hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. And this is not the passage that I was hoping for. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But anyway, what we're talking about here is that the, they need to be different. And the Bible says that we are supposed to be separate. We're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. We're not supposed to be like the, the unsaved people, but there's supposed to be a noticeable difference. I was born and raised in Western Pennsylvania, and I am a, a proud Western Pennsylvanian sports fan. I don't know if there's any of them here tonight, but I'm a big Steelers fan, Penguins fan. I gave up on the Pirates years ago because they weren't actually a real organization. They, never had a, they didn't have a winning record in like 20-something years. So I converted to the Red Sox and I moved up here in the Celtics because we didn't have basketball. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. All right. Some of you are awake now. But anyway, um, I found out, you know, coming up here that I stand out because I'm a fan of a different team. Two weeks ago, I had the opportunity, a friend of ours who is in the ministry also in Massachusetts is a big Penguins fan, and he said, I got tickets to the Penguins-Bruins game. Let's go. And I said, okay. And I said, well, we're not going to wear our Penguins jerseys, are we? And he said, absolutely, we are. And I wore my Penguins jersey. It was a powder blue Penguins jersey into the Boston Garden where everything's black and gold. Thankfully, there were actually a lot of Penguins fans there. There were hundreds of them, maybe even a thousand but there were 17,000 other fans that were not fans of the team that I was supporting. And I'll tell you what, it was a very hostile environment. People weren't actually mean to me. No one really said anything. I was kind of hoping that people would say something, that people would, you know, yell something, and I would say, oh, sorry, we've won two Stanley Cups back-to-back, -back, so, you know, that's why we're having a bad game tonight. They ended up losing by, like, the Penguins lost by four goals. It wasn't even a game. But I felt so out of place because 40 seconds into the game, the Penguins scored and I jumped up and cheered like I do when I'm at a hockey game and I'm looking and everyone else is sitting. <laughs> when something, when the other team scored, they all stood up and cheered and I'm sitting there angry. You know, what happened? What is this? I'm yelling at the refs about the different thing that they're not yelling at the refs for. And I felt so out of place. I felt like I, I don't belong here. 
Years ago, before we had kids, God gave us, my wife and I, the opportunity to go to Europe for our, we called it our baby moon, our last big trip before we had kids. And we had the opportunity to go to a few different places, and we were walking around Rome, and Everyone says when you're, when you're you know, overseas, you want to do your best to, to look like a local, to look like you fit in. So we did our best to, you know, to kind of somewhat, I thought, look like I, I fit in. And someone came right up to me and said, hey, you're from America, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, where are you from? And I said, Massachusetts. And he was like, hey, I'm from Boston. And I didn't have like a Red Sox hat. It wasn't like I had something saying that I was from that. But he knew right away. He picked me out of a crowd because he knew that I didn't look like I belonged there. I was thinking about faith and real faith. And real faith, it stands out. The Bible says that we are ambassadors, that we are not of this world. We're in this world, but we are not of this world. We are supposed to stand out. Just like I stood out in a sea of black and gold, I had my blue jersey on. If you have real faith, real Christianity, you will stand out among unsafe people. The people at school, the people at work, and in your neighborhoods, and the other people you're around, they will notice that something's different about you. You will stand out. The Bible tells us to stand out. Romans 12:2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath created you out of darkness into his marvelous light. John 15.19 says that ye are of, if ye were of this world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. First of all, we need real Christianity. We need real faith tonight. And if we're going to have real faith, we need to stand out. We need to be different. People need to know that, hey, he looks different. She, she looks different. Maybe they, they talk differently. They act differently. There's something about you that's different. Secondly, back to Daniel chapter 3, not only does real faith stand out, but real faith, it stays on. It stays on. You see, the king had commanded them to not to bow down or, or to, to bow down, and they decided that they weren't going to do it. And so as we read in verse number 19 of Daniel chapter 3, that they heated the furnace seven times more. That's an incredible thought. I'm sure it was already hot. I'm sure it was already unbearable. Seven times more than that. That would have been a good time. to, Hey guys, let's, let's talk about this. You know, I mean, maybe we could, maybe we could, you know, kind of just a little, you know, maybe not really bow, but just kind of duck a little bit. Maybe we could, Maybe we could just bow for like a second and then stand back. I mean, there's got to be something. But they were very clear. We will not worship that image. We will not bow down. Real faith stands out, but real faith, it stays on. I appreciate the opportunity to travel to a different church because I can tell all the illustrations that my young people are sick of hearing that I've told many times over and over. And I can tell them again because you've never heard them. Years ago, one of the most unique things that's ever happened to me it was in 2011. And I had a, a part-time job where I was, or at the time, I was full-time working at a job in Springfield, Massachusetts and uh, commuting there from, it's about 10 minutes from where we lived. And I was working with Brother Adam that led singing with his father, a good friend of mine from church. We had finished our job and we're leaving on the way home and we came down the road and turned and right before my eyes, I saw it was a storm and I saw a tornado forming right over the Connecticut River. And I thought, this is unbelievable. That's, that's a tornado. Now my family, we had always talked about this, which one of us, which I have four brothers and we've talked about which, who will be the first one to see a tornado someday. And I was hoping, I hope it's not me. I don't, you, can, you can have the, the rights to be the first one. I don't want to see it. 
And so it was really surreal seeing it so close and it started to form and, and it gained strength after it got across the river and it got on a road as we got on the road parallel to 91 and we were getting ready to get on the highway and it was coming right towards us. It was at this moment that it was no longer nostalgic. It was no longer, hey, look at that. It was, I'm going to die. <laughs> you see little things being whipped around. It looks like, oh, that's a piece of paper being whipped around in that tornado. No, that's a two by four. You know, what's, what's that little thing? Oh, that's, that's a piece of a roof. That's, you know, that's a car. You see things, and it's coming right toward us. I'm like, I'm in Massachusetts. I'm not in the Midwest. I'm in a city. This doesn't actually happen. And I literally got my phone out to call my wife to tell her I loved her in case anything happened, and it wouldn't connect. I'm like, great. Well, there goes my, my last call. So I tried calling Brother Adam, who was in the car right in front of me, and it worked. It let me call him, but didn't let me call out. And we said, what do we do? Let's go back to work. So we kept getting closer to it. We were about a quarter mile from the base of the tornado. It was coming right towards us. So we turned to try to go back to work. It crossed over and got on the road. It literally followed us and got behind us. And we look now and it's behind us. And I'm thinking, okay, is this, hold on a second. I'm in Massachusetts. Here's a tornado. I got close to it and now it's following me. This is, this is not happening. I was so scared I almost threw up while driving my car. I just, it, it, I just, I've never had panic like that moment. I, I heard people say they look, looked at it and they listened to it or they took you know, video. I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to survive this. You know? I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, that's a great thing to pull my phone out for. I'm thinking, I need to get out of here. And so we turned and then we turned in one more direction and then it continued on and, it, and it, went, it went through. And after my heart started beating out of my chest, I was able to gain composure again, get back on the highway, call my family and tell them what just happened. I called my dad, and the first thing when I told him, he started laughing. And I said, Dad, this isn't funny. I almost died. And he said, no, we were just talking about who's going to be the first one to see a tornado. We didn't think it would be you. And I'm like, Dad, it's, it's not funny. But anyway, I, I spent time the next few days on my lunch break walking around and, and seeing the path of that tornado. And I, I don't know if you heard about it, but it was in 2011, June 1st, and it went right through the city. Thankfully, only a couple people were, were, I think there was one fatality, but a few injuries, but it, considering it went into a big city, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But I found it interesting to look at the pathway and to see some buildings standing, some buildings completely flattened. Some trees, a little bit damaged, some trees, the roots of massive, massive trees that were hundreds of years old, just ripped out from the roots. And I thought about that. I thought about life and what we go through that everybody goes through storms. Everybody faces trials, maybe even a tornado, so to speak, in your life. But faith that is real will be like 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Real faith, it stays on. When the going gets tough, look up here, teens. Real faith, it stays on. Listen, maybe as a young person, maybe you have faced heartache, but maybe things have been, been okay and your parents have kept you in a, in, a, in, a, in a sheltered environment and thank God for that. But you will go through hard times. You will go through hardships. You will face temptations and tribulations and trials. It will happen. It's inevitable. But if you have faith that is real, faith that is genuine, it will be faithful through the hard times. Just like the good times, it'll be faithful in the bad times. Because our God is not just the God of the mountaintops. He's not just the God of the good experiences. But He's the God of the valleys also. And God is there with you. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, thou art with me. God is still with us, even in the hard times. He is our help. 
He is our strength. He is the one that we can go to in difficult times. Real faith, it stays on. He is our hope. 2 Timothy 2.3 says to endure hardness as a good soldier. And there are some things that you just need to endure hardness. Years ago, or actually, I think it was about two years ago, there was a, a chick, Chick-fil-A's had been popping up in New England. I'm thankful for that. And there was one that was open in Enfield, Connecticut. And we decided, because we're, we're not right in the head, that we wanted to go and be one of the first 100 people to attend this Chick-fil-A because the first 100 people get a voucher for 52 free meals. It's a pretty good deal. So we, we already did the one in Massachusetts that opened near us, so we went down again. And the Browns did that with us, and we, we enjoyed some time out in February and the uh, frigid temperatures. And so my wife and I and some friends went down to Enfield, Connecticut. We put up a tent in the parking lot at 10 p.m. in the middle of February in New England, and we stayed there until 6 a.m. The Massachusetts one was pretty easy because it was 6 a.m. I think we got there around 4 a.m. We waited for an hour or two. They opened up. It wasn't that cold. This time in Connecticut, it was absolutely freezing. I don't know what the temperature was, but it was bad. We set up an air mattress in the tent, and as soon as I just kneeled on the air mattress, it just popped. <laughs> we had a little propane heater, and I stood too close to it, and I burned the pants I was wearing. It just wasn't, wasn't a, good, a good circumstance. But we endured hardness to get our Chick-fil-A gift cards. So we stood through, and as we were in line, a, a news reporter came over, and they saw us, and she said, can I interview you real quick? And I thought, well, we have to stay in line, or we get out of number, and we don't get our gift cards. She said, I'll wait for you outside. There are hundreds of people there. I thought, she's not going to find us. Sure enough, we came outside, and she came over and interviewed my wife and I. I don't know what we looked like. It was, it was a long, cold night. I can handle cold a little bit more than my wife, but she... she endured hardness through that time. And I remember she asked us a bunch of questions, and at the end she said, well, was, is it worth it? And I looked at my wife, and I said, absolutely. <laughs> we got 104 free meals from that. It, it got us through that year. My, we, my kids got sick of Chick-fil-A, which I didn't think that was even possible. But it wasn't easy. I mean, there were times when I was like, okay, what, what are we doing? What, why are we in a parking lot <laughs> when it's 10 degrees outside? You know, this is, this is just, this is insane. But we stayed on. I know it's a, it's a silly illustration, but it's worth it. It's worth it. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know what my desire is as a, as a young preacher? Is to be like Brother Shop. I want to be faithful. Years later, I, I want to be faithful matter what's going on in my life, just to be faithful, serving God, found we're doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Listen, there's a lot of things that we'll never be able to accomplish. There are some things that you can set high goals that you may never attain that goal, but there isn't a person in here tonight that can't be faithful. Be faithful to God. Real faith, it stays on. Things might not be easy. It might be difficult, but you just keep enduring hardness. It is, it is only for a season. And just like the book of Job proves that chapter 42 is coming. And that blessing is coming from God. And God blessed him. And God blessed these young people because their faith, it stayed. It stood out, but it stayed. And then number three, and we're done. Real faith stirs others. It stirs others. See, look at verse number 24. The Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was stonied and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the most high God, come forth, come hither. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. And the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. And look at verse 28, the Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked king Nebuchadnezzar, look what it says in verse number 28. He spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, or language would speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and the house shall be made in dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this part, or after this sort. Wow. Real faith stirs other people. I think about Paul and Silas singing praises to the Lord in prison. And I know that we like to think that we're spiritual enough that we would be doing that. But probably not if, if you get as easily frustrated with someone cutting you off on the road <laughs> or a bill that you didn't expect or, or something. And they sang and praised God all night. And what did the prison guard say to them? What must I do to be saved? He, he, he wanted what they had. Something that's real, it affects other people around you. Your classmates, your, your friends, your unsaved relatives will see what you have and they'll want it. That's what God does. He works in their heart. Because fire, it spreads. It's contagious. People want to be around that. People will see, number one here under this, and we're almost done, but number one, they'll see your life. And people should see your life. And they, anytime people praise me about my life or they say anything about, wow, you have such a beautiful family, praise God. It's not me. I married way out of my league. I don't know why she said yes. No, kidding. Um, but I, I'm thankful. But it's God. And it was clear. The very first time that we talked about in our relationship, we were friends and we talked about how we felt. The very first time we mentioned that God's hand is in this. And, and the purpose of, of, of our, our dating, according, whatever you call it, was of marriage. But it was clear from that moment to me and to everyone else that saw that God's hand was upon it. And so I'd like to take credit. I'd like to say that, you know, she saw me and said, that's the one, that's... But no, it was God. And we need to realize that, that our lives, and when people say that, I can just deflect all the praise to God because it was him that did that. It's God that blesses us. It's God that's given you your families and your lives and your jobs. You didn't earn that on your own. It was God that did that. And our lives should be living testimony of, of what God has done. I'm so thankful to hear some of these teens. Listen, you, don't, you didn't think much of what you said tonight, but just I'm thankful that I'm saved. I'm thankful that I'm in church tonight. That encourages my heart to see young people that are thankful that they're saved. They're in church on a Sunday night when they could be anywhere else in the world. Praise God for that. And people will see what you have. They see real joy. They see the blessings in your life. The fact that you can smile and you can, we can have a great time and, and not have regrets and have true peace from God. People will want that. Our lives should be what other people see. But second, our love for them. The Bible says, by this shall all men know you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. My preacher's been preaching on this a lot lately and, and it's really been convicting me that our love needs to be how people know that we're saved. Love your enemies. Love your friends. 
that we need to love other people and it needs to be evident. People know when they're loved. And then lastly, not just our life and our love, but what stirs other people's hearts the most is our Lord. It's God. You know what stirred the heart of Nebuchadnezzar? Is that he saw, in verse number 25, that form of the fourth is like the Son of God. How did Nebuchadnezzar know what he looked like? But it was present that it was God that did it. It was God that was there. And anything in our lives, as I already mentioned, anything that we could take credit for, we need to realize it's all God. But if you have God in your life, you can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you can have something that's real. But real faith, it stands out. Real faith, it stays on. And lastly, real faith, it stirs other people. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed and stand to our feet tonight. If we could have the pianist come forward, please. Pastor's allowed me to start with the invitation tonight. And I believe in just responding to how the Lord has spoken. We don't even need to wait for the pianist to come. But if God's spoken to you about anything tonight, let's use these altars and get some decisions taken care of. I speak to our teens regularly about being faithful through the Lord in the invitation time and just responding. However God has spoken to you. And this isn't just open for the young people tonight. It's open for everyone. And my encouragement, if God has spoken to you about anything, that make a decision. I'm amazed how, as a young person, it, it doesn't take much for them to, to go forward and pray, but sometimes there's someone right now that says, well, I really need to make a decision. I need to be a better witness at work, or, or I need to, to be faithful through this hardship and endure. There's someone that probably needs to make a decision like that tonight, but you're fearful. Listen, we're, we're friends tonight. I know your preacher and he loves you and, and, and cares about you. And, and, and this is a, an opportunity to respond, to, to solidify that decision that God has given you. To, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about something, please don't quench the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to play the Holy Spirit. I don't know how God has spoken to you tonight. But maybe you need to make a decision to stand out more. Or a decision to stay on. Or a decision to stir others around you. Or maybe it's something completely unrelated, but the Lord has spoken to you about something. Why don't you respond? You can respond at your seat. You can respond at home later tonight, but respond to the preaching of God's word. And if you're here tonight and you don't know the precious Lord as your Savior, you don't know Jesus as your Savior tonight, I'd love for you to make that decision and accept Christ. But if you're saved, let's make a decision to have faith that's real. We don't have a Christian school in my area and outside of a couple of families that are homeschooled, the rest of our young people go to public school. And it's a challenge. It is not easy. The temptations, the distractions. But there's no telling what God can do from the life of one young person that shows up to their school with real faith that will stand out and be different, that will endure persecution, mocking, and stay faithful. God could reach the lives of many other people. Preacher.